A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Come on, just let us see it for once. Not like it's that good. <laughs> Ugh, what do these jocks know about art anyway? I quickly stooped down to pick up my precious drawings, and that's when I heard a voice. Oh, do you like anime too? Is this a series under the moonlight? OMG, don't tell me you're Odizai. Yeah. Is it really you? I'm Tia. I'm a massive fan of yours. Oh my god, I can't believe I'm meeting you in real life. So, the nerdy guy is me, James, and the cute girl is Tia. This is our first conversation together, the one where she found out I'm Odizai which is my pen name. Soon after that, Tia became my girlfriend. It was good dating a girl who shared the same interests as me. We could just watch anime together all the time. Just like that, we were immersed in the movie Amagi Brilliant Park. Suddenly, Tia turned to me and asked, James, the school Halloween party's next week, and I have no idea what to go as. Hey, why don't you try dressing up as Latifa Florenza? Tia gave me a skeptical look. No way can an ordinary girl like me pull off dressing up as such a beautiful anime girl. I smiled. Of course you can. Don't worry. I'll help you. So we started planning our costumes. I was going to dress up as Gojo and Tia as Latifa Florenza. Exciting, right? We went online to watch tons of anime dream girl makeup tutorial videos and joined cosplay groups to get our costumes. Hmm, buying costumes was the easy part. But the anime girl makeup technique was a pretty hard job to do. Big round eyes, unnatural eye color, thick and long eyelashes, pointed chin and a small mouth, etc. Ugh, that was Tia. Bet she just broke another eyebrow pencil in half. Hmm, this makeup stuff seems stressful, huh? I arrived at the party first and waited outside for Tia. I felt kind of cool in my Gojo costume, and I couldn't wait to see Tia in hers. OMG, is that Tia? She looked even more beautiful than the goddess in the story. I couldn't stop complimenting her kawaii. As we walked inside, everyone was gawping at Tia. I took her hand and I led her into the center. And of course, Tia and I could clearly hear some of them saying, Who's this? Tia? James's girlfriend? And is that Tia? I can't believe that girl used to sit next to me in class. This was definitely a proud boyfriend moment, especially when she was voted best dressed of the night. Some hot girls dressed as sexy animals even rolled their eyes at her before they walked off in a huff. While Tia jumped up and down in happiness, I'm so happy for my girl. 
Then on Monday morning, I was walking to class, expecting to meet Tia in the hallway as usual. Only this flamboyant girl with completely pink hair and wearing a Japanese manga schoolgirl outfit was standing in front of Tia's locker. Huh? What? I cleared my throat and said jokingly, <clears throat> yeah, Hi, babe. I love your new hair and, um, your outfit. Really? I'm glad you do. I've decided I'm going to be an anime girl from now on. What? So she was going to look like this all the time? I mean, I like her anime look, but surely it was best saved for a special occasion. While I was standing there unsure of what to say or do, I realized that a crowd had gathered around us. Well, around Tia. The one girl almost knocked me over as she ran over to Tia and asked for a picture with her. Well, I always thought I was the one around here who liked anime. Anyway, seeing Tia happily taking pictures with her admirers was pretty cool. Who wouldn't love having a pretty and famous girlfriend, right? After that, Tia became an internet sensation, and other kids from school seemed jealous that a girl like her was dating a dude like me. These two guys from class even had Tia's picture on their lock screen. Creepy, I know, but that just proved how desperate they were, right? But have you tried going out in public with an anime girl? Well, it takes about ten times longer than normal to do anything. All these fangirls and some fanboys, ugh, appeared out of nowhere and started taking Tia for a chat and pics. She loved it and made a heart hand symbol to them while I stood there like the invisible man. To be honest, I gradually realized that having an anime girlfriend was really irritating. Why, you ask? Just be calm, I'll tell you. That morning I had an early math test, so I couldn't be late. But I also had to pick up Tia and she's nowhere to be seen, so I texted her. Hurry up, please, my test starts soon. A few minutes later, she huffed away over to me and moaned out, Ugh, thanks a lot. Now I don't have contact lenses in. Don't you know how important eyes are to an anime girl? So 0.04 inches of your eye is more important than my test? Seriously, I'm on the verge of failing math class and she's still in a mood with me about her eyes. <sighs> then at lunchtime, I noticed that there was something on Tia's lips, so I reached out my hand to wipe it away. Wait, what are you doing? You're ruining my makeup. I woke up at 6 a.m. to do this. Babe, you got mustard on your lips. She glared at me, then took out her compact mirror and slowly blotted the stain. <sighs> so, as you can see, I couldn't even touch her, so of course, she would never allow me to kiss her or something. But honestly, I don't want that makeup to smear all over my face or my lips to turn to coral or purple either. Oh, not to mention how Tia became obsessed with her reflection. It got so bad we could no longer maintain eye contact or hold a proper conversation without her checking herself out every five seconds. For my birthday, I took Tia to this cool-looking Japanese restaurant in the city. But it was a full house that night, and we had no choice but to sit by a reflective glass window. Ugh. So, you guessed it right. The entire meal was spent with her checking for her angles in the window and constantly flipping her hair parting or delicately repositioning her fingers to frame her face. I got so irritated that I asked her if I was interrupting something between the both of them, to which she replied that she just wanted to check if her eyes matched her hair color. I was speechless. This was my birthday meal, but she cared more about her own reflection than actually talking to me. At the time, I was really tired of this anime version of Tia, and just wanted to go back to the way it was before, when we watched movies, studied Japanese, and planned to travel to Japan to see the cherry blossoms together. Then, an idea popped into my head. Tia. You want to go camping with me this weekend? Where will we go? Paradise Campground, provided you don't wear makeup. Huh? Why? Don't you like my makeup? Don't you think I look pretty like this? Babe, you're always the prettiest. But I mean, what if I want to kiss you? 
Tia shyly giggled and agreed. Oh yeah, so we're going to have a weekend together by the woods, and I get to see the same old Tia again. Everything sounded like a good idea, right? But that morning when I arrived to pick her up, she appeared in her full anime look again. Ah, Huh? Why are you in makeup? This is an amazing photo opportunity. I need new photos to post on my Instagram. Okay, this really ruined my mood, but instead of arguing, I drove Tia to the campsite. And you know what? Turns out that weekend was literally just a photo shoot for her. She wanted pictures of everything. It was really too much. We couldn't walk 100 feet without her stopping to ask me to take more pictures of her posing by a tree, a tent, and on one occasion, even someone's lost sneaker. Ugh. Then at night, she only wanted to play on her phone, as she had a lot of editing to do. It seemed like everything we did was only for a photo op. This drove me crazy, so I ended up shouting at her. All you care about is your stupid fans and not me. You're no fun anymore. Then I turned onto my side and sulked like that until I eventually fell asleep. I just wanted my fun, carefree girlfriend back, not this obsessive anime character she'd turned herself into. When I got home, we didn't talk to each other for the next few days. I kept myself busy by drawing doujinshi, watching anime and learning Japanese. Oh man, these things were way more fun when I did them with Tia. <sighs> then one day at school, when I was walking toward my locker, I overheard some crying girl saying some boy had rejected her. And her friends were consoling her telling her that they would teach her how to put on makeup and give her a makeover so the next boy she liked wouldn't reject her. Hmm, this got me thinking. Tia used to be so negative about herself until she started dressing like an anime girl. Only then she became so confident and vibrant. Maybe I had been a little bit insensitive about her feelings. I needed to go find her. As I showed up at Tia's house, I saw her standing by the door with some good-looking boy. I can't believe it! Furious, I threw the flowers on the ground and turned to leave. James, don't go! Just wait for me! I kept on walking, but then stopped as I heard the boy say, That loser doesn't deserve a hot anime girl like you, Tia. You like anime girls? Then go find yourself one in anime stories. I'm Tia, and I'm not just some character for you to look at. James, I I'm sorry. Don't be mad at me anymore. I only tried to be an anime girl just because I know you like them. I let out a long sigh and looked at her. The truth is, I wasn't mad with her anymore but I tried to keep a straight face as she continued. James, don't give me the silent treatment. I'm miserable without you, and I don't care when other people say I'm pretty. I only care about what you think. Then she burst out crying. I couldn't pretend I didn't care anymore. I wiped away her tears and cupped her face in my hands to look closely at the girl I love. But wait, under the smudged makeup, what are these tiny red spots exposed on her skin? Oh my God, what's wrong, Tia? I don't know. I was a bit itchy at first, and recently... It's gotten worse. Concerned, I took her straight to a dermatology hospital. The doctor said Tia was allergic to some ingredients in makeup products and prescribed her medicine. Phew. Luckily, she just needed to stop applying the makeup for a while and use some special cream to recover. What if you go off me because I can't be an anime girl for a while? Tia, I love you for you. With makeup on or not, you're still the most beautiful girl in the world to me. Anyway, your health comes first. You really think I'm beautiful? Yes, really. Besides, this is actually better, because it means I can actually kiss you without looking like a clown. So Tia and I got back together. Tia finally realized that I love her for her, and I care about her health and inner beauty, not just her appearance. Now she doesn't wear makeup like an anime girl anymore. <laughs> well, unless it's for a party or a cosplay event. On a daily basis, she only has light makeup on. Regardless of this, she always looks perfect to me anyway. 
As for me, I'm working on a new Dujinshi series called I Don't Need Attention, I Just Want Your Heart, which is inspired by Tia, and she's my muse, which she's super excited about. And the series will be published soon. Ever feel like someone's always watching you? You know the feeling, but when you turn around, nobody's there? Well, I get that feeling all the time. I don't even know when it started. All I know is that I've been starting to notice them when I began working for Elaine. I met her during a job fair. Our high school had a booth, and we were there so that us kids could learn what kinds of careers we could go into in the future. I was a computer whiz, and so I knew I wanted to be in an exciting startup or multi-billion dollar firm in Silicon Valley. I didn't even bother looking at the brochure Elaine gave me when I heard her company was offering a position as a back-end developer for a private investigator agency. I was voted most likely to take over Google, and I guess that went to my head a little. But months later, when I failed to secure a position at all the major companies in Silicon Valley, I was brought low. I guess you could say I was humbled. I didn't know the screening process and the requirements would be that stringent, and I didn't want to disappoint my family and my school, so I was seriously considering going to college even though I didn't want to. But then I realized how much money it would cost, and my parents weren't well off at all. I didn't want to work my whole life paying for student loans either. So after weighing my options, I instead applied for a tiny startup at some guy's basement. Their letter arrived the same day that I got a weird envelope from Elaine's private investigator firm. Once again, she offered me a job. She said she had been following my career as an amateur hacker. She must have Googled that I had participated in some hackathons in the state. Uh, I ignored her letter again, and I was about to actually sign my new contract with that startup when I took a glance at Elaine's letter and saw something I didn't even notice. At the very bottom of the letter, she wrote a number. I thought it was a phone number at first, so I didn't even see it. But the reason why it looked like a phone number was because of the amount of zeros. She was offering to pay me five times more than I would make at that startup. My hands began to tremble. I had to dial her number three times because I couldn't stop shaking from nervousness. Uh, hello? Henry, I've been waiting for your call. I'm glad you reached out. Uh, hi, Miss Elaine. I, I think there was an error in the letter you sent me. There seems to be too many zeros on this figure. Elaine laughed, and I only then noticed that she had such a beautiful voice. Oh, no, dear. That's what you'll be making if you work for us. There was no error. I couldn't believe my ears. I had to double check. No, triple check. Uh, are you sure? A and and it it'll be in my contract, right? <laughs> of course, sweetheart. Your contract's already drafted and waiting for you to sign it. I felt like I was floating. I felt like I won the lottery. Uh, when can I start? Come in at nine in the morning tomorrow. We wear ties here, so look sharp. You don't have to bring anything. The company will provide you with whatever you need. Laptops, servers, and however many monitors you want. I, I, I look forward to seeing you, Miss Elaine. Uh, th thank you so much for this, this, this opportunity. Just call me Elaine. I'm only a few years older than you, after all. I didn't get to sleep that night.
I tried, but I was buzzing with excitement. It felt like electricity was rushing through my body. When the clock hit seven, I got up, made myself breakfast, and got ready. I brushed my teeth twice just to make sure, and I made my way to my new office. It was lucky that I decided to leave an hour earlier, because I had no idea where it was. The place was so tucked away in the middle of Chinatown that you wouldn't have guessed that such a fancy place was in there. The door was this tiny gate that didn't even have a sign. I only found out because I saw someone go in with a package that had the same logo as Elaine's letterhead. The gate led to a narrow alley, which led to a staircase, and when I went up, I realized that the agency was on top of the Chinese restaurant that I stood in front of for a good ten minutes. I guess for a private investigator agency, it really fit the bill. Only, you'd have to be an investigator as well if you wanted to find their offices. Elaine introduced me to my new colleagues. It was a small team. There were maybe four investigators, two clerks, an accountant, and me, the tech guy. But for some strange reason, there were always men and women. Some of them dressed in suits, the other wearing anything from mailman uniforms to gardener's outfits. They would all go through that one strange door at the end of the hall. But then I'd never see them come out. Miss Elaine, what's that door? Oh, that? It's not important. It's some other company. And that was the end of that. I sensed that Elaine wasn't going to tell me more, so I didn't press. The company gave me everything I wanted. When I wanted a new server room installed, they tore down an entire office for me and put in the best equipment and climate control that money could buy. Elaine bought me three laptops, all sporting the absolute latest GPUs that weren't even on the market yet. I coded software for the investigators to use. I developed apps for surveillance and communications. I programmed the software for their bugging and camera technologies that they used in the field. I was even able to create a program that made it easier for them to track a person's whereabouts without installing a tracker. With my work, Elaine's company was able to easily identify and find missing persons and other people who were on the run. I'm sure I'll get in trouble for saying this, but when we badly needed to find someone, I would hack into the street cameras in the city's CCTV network, and then I would use my very own facial recognition software to quickly rifle through millions of frames to find them. For the nastier persons of interest, I would fish them. Sometimes it'd be an official-looking announcement or someone trying to tell them they'd want something. We got the bad guys every single time. My desk was massive, and I had six monitors. I felt like the real deal. But that was when the strange occurrences began. One time, when I was standing by the water cooler waiting for my turn, the hairs on the back of my neck picked up. I quickly looked behind me and saw that the camera CCTV was staring right at me. I stared into it, confused. I swear that thing's looking at me. Uh, sorry, what? I looked back at the camera, only to find it facing the other direction. I shook my head in confusion. N nothing. I was just imagining things. It didn't stop there, though. There were times when I'd be the only one left in the office, and I'd get that feeling again. The one where you feel someone's looking at you. But when I looked outside the windows, when I checked every room in the office, there was nobody else. One evening, I had to run out of there, because all the cameras in the room began pointing towards me. It was so creepy.
But even at home, I didn't feel safe. I would lay awake at night just listening to the noises because I felt like someone was following me. One time, I swear I heard a camera click, but when I looked outside my window, there was nothing. Just an owl sitting on a tree. Some days, I would wear dark sunglasses, wear hats, and the most boring of jackets just to blend into the crowd and avoid someone following me or recognizing me. Once, I could have sworn I caught someone with a camera following me. And that was when I began having my theories. I'd always wondered why I felt so special. Why my life was like a movie. Like it was all fake. And then I realized, it is. My life is probably a movie. And that was why there were cameras following me. Another theory I had was that the government was watching me. It kept me up at night. They probably know that I was hacking into their systems for our company. And I was so scared that they'd one day jump out of the bushes and arrest me. My last theory was a bit more far-fetched. But if it wasn't either of the first two, I thought it would be that. I theorized that I was living in a simulation. It was probably why things felt too easy. And maybe that door at the back of the office was a glitch. People kept going in, but they never came out. And then there was Elaine's office. I knew that glass panel was a two-way mirror. I could tell. So one random day, I decided to find out for myself. What was in her office? Was it just a normal office? Was it a producer's room for my life's movie? Were the government agents hiding there? Or was it just a bunch of wires supporting our simulation life? All I knew is that that secretive room had all the answers. So I got up from my desk and opened the door. My colleagues all stood up at the same time and tried to stop me, but it was too late. In that room was Elaine. There were hundreds of monitors. The largest of them showed my empty desk. There were at least 20 of them showing various areas of my house. One of them was walking through a crowded street. Another was just outside the Chinese restaurant. I, I knew it. They were producing the movie of my life. I was so ready to blurt it out when Elaine panicked and confessed to everything. I... I'm so sorry. I brought you here because I have a huge crush on you. I... I wanted to know your every move. But I couldn't bring up the courage to tell you. I've been watching you since we met on that hackathon five years ago. I'm calling the cops. Please, please don't. It's all my fault. But please, I'll lose my job. Finally, I had something to bargain with. I'd wanted to know what that door at the end of the hall was, and Elaine finally confessed. Our agency was fake. The door at the end of the hall was the entrance to a secret government facility. They enter at the door and come out of a tunnel two blocks away. And all this time, I had been working as a spy. No wonder I was earning so much. Elaine was my handler, and after that day, she finally took me through that door. And I became a real spy. Now, Elaine and I work on international cases. I still catch her watching me sometimes, but it doesn't bother me anymore. Especially now that she's my girlfriend. I'm Alvin. Like most days, I got off the school bus and walked two blocks to the kindergarten where my mom works. As usual, I stood waiting for her at the front of the building. On that day, though, a man came from nowhere, grabbed my backpack, and ran away with it. Hey! That's my math homework you're stealing, I yelled after him. There's nothing of value to even steal! The man disappeared around the corner. Distraught, I slumped down and continued waiting for my mother. That's the price you pay for living here. Things like this happen all of the time. My mom finally got off work at 5 p.m. Someone stole my math homework while I was waiting for you, I told her. Just like me, she'd gotten used to it. You're lucky.
Someone stole all four tires from a client's car today, she said laughing. <laughs> we continued chatting while walking to our fake home. You heard that right, I said fake. You'll figure out what I mean in a moment. You see, this old and rather dilapidated house goes with the rest of the neighborhood. After about 10 minutes, we made it to our fake home. My mom made herself a coffee as we waited for my dad until 6 p.m. After my dad came home from work, we spent another hour waiting impatiently. Then, we hurried around the house, closing the curtains so our neighbors wouldn't see us. From the moment the curtains closed every evening, we'd live as we truly are, like rich people. We went down to the basement of our fake home. My dad turned on the facial recognition system. We turned our faces to the hidden cameras. As soon as the system identified us, the secret door in our basement opened. The secret door revealed a 5.4 mile long tunnel. It's actually a subway line that belongs to my parents and me. We use this unique subway every night to reach our real home. After a short ride, we made it to our mansion. Our property is enclosed by 13 feet high walls. During the day, there are hundreds of people working here, maintaining the grounds. Maids, drivers, cooks, and gardeners. The staff leaves at 6.30 p.m. We arrive after they're gone, and it's only us at the mansion. We walked into the dining hall. We filled our plates with food from the buffet and sat down. The best chefs in the world cook a hundred different dishes every night. My dad asked, How was your day, son? Someone stole my backpack as I was waiting for mom. I had my math homework in that backpack. I need to do it all over again, I replied. Dad smiled. Bummer. I'm free tonight if you need help, he said. Dad, I hate hiding the fact that we're rich. Horrible things keep happening to us in that neighborhood, and they always will. Alvin, we talked about this so many times. We have to live this way. We have no choice but to adapt, he replied, frowning. Yes, we had talked about this many times, yet I still didn't understand why we had to hide that we were the wealthiest family in the world. My grandfather had won the biggest jackpot of all time from the lottery. On the way to claim his winnings, he and my grandmother got in a car accident. My grandmother died instantly. My grandfather fell ill in his grief. So, he hired a lawyer to get his affairs in order and found an investment advisor. I'm not going to touch this money. Invest with it as you like. I want my son to benefit from it in the future, he said. The advisor was very good at his job. He built hotels and shopping malls worldwide and bought shares in gold and diamonds and stakes in many successful companies. My grandfather's lottery winnings grew exponentially, reaching billions of dollars. When my grandfather died, my parents inherited all his wealth. For some reason, we have to hide it. We pretend to live in the lowest income neighborhood of our city. We can only enjoy the privileges of being wealthy when we're in the mansion. I've been putting up with this for years because my parents want me to. But I've had it. I want to live my best life 24 hours a day. It's my birthright. I thought about everything that night and came up with an idea. If I made sure my friends at school knew about how rich we were, they would definitely tell their friends and families. Word would spread like wildfire, and all kinds of people would know about our fortune. Then my parents would have to concede that it was impossible to hide any longer, and we could start living the high life every day. I put my plan into motion the next day without hesitation. To start, I decided to tell two people, Nancy and Justin. I can't really say that I like them. I think they're super obnoxious, but they both were pretty popular in school and loved gossiping. Thanks to them, my family's secret would be out in no time. 
After lunch, I called both of them to the schoolyard and cut to the chase. I'm going to share my family's biggest secret with you. They were both stunned. I'm not kidding what I'm about to tell you, so you've got to trust me, I said. I had to muster up the courage to keep speaking. Nancy and Justin waited with anticipation. They both stared at me intensely. My family is the richest family in the world, and I'm the richest kid in the world, I said. My friends just stared at each other. Then they both burst out laughing. If I'm honest, that's the reaction I was expecting. You don't believe me, and you have every reason not to. I'm going to ask you to come with me. What I'm about to show you is sure to convince you, I said. You better find other people to mess around with, Justin groaned. Nancy was all in. Alvin looks dead serious, she said, and I'm curious about what's happening here. I couldn't take my friends to our fake home because I didn't know how to operate the facial recognition system. That being the case, I wouldn't be able to open the secret door. That's why I decided to take them to the mansion in broad daylight. It would be my first time entering my own house from the front door. But first, I had to convince the security detail posted outside. There was a gigantic iron door at the entrance and a security booth for the guards. Nancy and Justin stared in disbelief, first at the majestic door, then at the towering walls. One of the guards came out of the booth. Kids, this is private property. Please leave, he said. I told the guard, you don't know me, but I live here. I want to show our house to my friends, I said. I'm not in the mood for jokes, kid. Move along, please, he groaned. My room is on the third floor, I said, trying to convince him. There's a MacBook on my bed right now. I binge-watched Netflix until late last night. I can list off every show to prove it to you. Take us up there. Son, you're a fool if you think you can play me like that. I'll have to make a citizen's arrest for trespassing if you don't leave now, he responded. Justin turned to me. Alvin, I don't know if this is your idea of a prank, but I'm not getting in trouble because of some weird lie. This guy seems pretty serious. Let's get out of here before he puts us in a chokehold or something, he said. I decided to play my last card. I'm going to tell my father about this. If you don't want to lose your job, let us in. This is my house, I screamed. At the last second, the iron gate started opening. A luxury car with dark windows was leaving the property. It stopped where we stood. The black backseat window came down. The person inside looked out and asked, What seems to be the problem here? The security guard said, Sir, this kid says he lives here. The man looked at me condescendingly. You certainly do not live here. This is my private property, and I have two daughters, no son, he said. Let's go, he commanded the driver, rolling up his window. I just stood there, shocked. He's lying. This is our house, I murmured. Justin and Nancy looked at each other nervously. Nancy said, and to think I believed you, even for a second. Justin nodded. Called it. They turned around and started walking back. I was sure that everyone at school would find out about what happened. This mansion was my home. Who was that man? Knowing it was useless to insist, I went back to my family's run-down fake house. When I walked into the house, I saw my parents waiting impatiently for me. They both looked upset. Obviously, they knew what had happened. My mom said, Alvin, we watched you and your friends on the security camera. What you did was incredibly reckless. I had tears <laughs> pouring down my face. You're right, mom. I'm so sorry. But who was that man? Don't we own the mansion? I asked. My dad said, Of course we do. That man is a professional actor. Staff at the mansion think he owns the house. It's another precaution we had to take so that no one would suspect what's going on. 
Dad, why do we have to take so many precautions? Why are we hiding our real selves from the world? I really want to know, I pleaded. My dad looked at my mom, who nodded at him before turning to me. We hid some things from you to protect you. We knew we'd have to tell you one day, but we were worried about your mental health, Dad said, pausing. He looked back at my mom again. She nodded for him to go on. Then she started crying softly. My dad took a deep breath and began to explain. We used to be the family you always wanted us to be. You weren't born yet. We had a daughter named Betty. Everyone knew how rich we were, which made our lives incredibly difficult. We used to go everywhere with an army of guards. We all had to wear bulletproof vests. Then something awful happened. Someone managed to kidnap your sister. They demanded we give them a hundred million dollars as ransom. We said yes, of course, but they never released her, even though we gave them the money. The police were sure it was because Betty had seen their faces. This was a massive trauma for us. After that, your mom and I made a decision. We moved to the inner city and set up this life to hide our wealth. We lost our daughter. We couldn't protect her. We don't want to lose our son too. <laughs> Alvin, all this is for you. This is the only way to live a quiet life away from danger. Now I knew everything. I hugged my dad. My mom got up and joined us. We all cried for Betty for a while. I'm really sorry about today. I didn't know you were trying to protect me. I will be careful from now on, I said. From that day on, I made mom and dad a promise to live humbly during the day and never tell anyone again. It was an ordinary day when I met Priya. The kind of day you wouldn't expect something extraordinary to happen. My name's Zane, and I was rushing to work when I saw an old lady crossing the street. She was having a hard time. Cars were zooming past, ignoring the fact that the old lady was trying to cross. There was no crosswalk, but the sign says that cars should give way to pedestrians. Only, nobody was. So, even though I was already running late, I stopped to help her. I took her hand and I bravely stepped out onto the street, making every car stop as we crossed the street. And when we finally made it to the other side, I felt her grip my hand tightly. Thank you, kind sir. I looked down, and I finally got a look at her face. And what I saw surprised me. She was no old lady at all. She was dressed like one, as if in a disguise. But under all those clothes, she was a beautiful young lady. Probably the most gorgeous girl I had ever seen. I didn't even notice that her hands were so delicate and soft, without a single wrinkle on them at all. She smiled up at me and I felt myself blush. I'd never had a girl look at me like that before. Please. I need your help. I found myself saying something I never thought I would. Not on a day when my manager was supposed to do my evaluation. How can I help? I need you to hide me. People are after me. Take me to your house. Please, hide me! I saw the panic in her eyes, heard the helplessness in her voice, and I knew then and there I had no choice. I had to. I held her hand the whole time, and I traced my steps back to where my day started. I showed her into my small apartment, and that was where she told me everything. I gave her some food and drinks, and she devoured all of it in minutes. She smiled at me cutely, her eyes wide and grateful. I'm sorry. I'm starving. I haven't eaten in days. Priya told me everything. She was a princess, 
and when her father passed, the crown was supposed to go to her. Unfortunately, some cunning evil cousins were after the crown too, and because of their greed, they were prepared to do anything to get the crown. She was driven out of her home by these cousins, and now they were after her. She was living in a safe house with her security detail and the most loyal of her subjects. But when she least expected it, the cousins sent agents to capture her. There was a huge fight and she was separated from the people who were protecting her. In desperation, Priya fled on some fisherman's boat, and that was how she ended up so far away from home. My mind reeled. First of all, it was shocking enough to find out that a princess was sitting on my tiny couch in my messy flat, and to find out that she was embroiled in such a bizarre, larger-than-life struggle was honestly mind-blowing. I knew I needed to help her. I knew I had to do something. Suddenly, my job, my life, and my annual evaluation seem inconsequential compared to her problems. So in the next few days... I did all I could to get her back in touch with her people. I googled and I asked as many friends as I could if they could help, all while keeping it hush-hush, of course. I didn't want to attract any unwanted attention, in case her cousins found out where she was. I let Priya live with me. It was such an awkward situation. I couldn't afford to put her up at a hotel, and she didn't want to anyway, because being in public places scares her. So, she stayed at my tiny one-bedroom, and the strangest part of it is that I still had to work and live my life. She was often there alone. During those days, I noticed changes in my house. She would arrange things, clean them, and whenever I got home, there would be dinner waiting for me. She would serve me piping hot dishes that warmed my heart. I honestly didn't know how to feel or think. Here she was, a princess who probably had hundreds of maids, and she was serving me. She was looking after me, like she was some housewife who suddenly entered my dull, boring life. I can't say I didn't enjoy it. She was beautiful, and she was kind, and very interesting. It just all seemed so... surreal. After a few weeks of nothing, and having a princess living with me, I finally got a lead. Somehow, I managed to get in contact with one of her old supporters. He told me the same story she did. He said they were all safe and that they had transferred to a different safe house, and that they had been trying to look for Priya for months now. I got home that night and shared the good news with her. She jumped up in pure joy and kissed me on the cheek. Oh, oh, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, Zane. You don't know how happy this makes me. You saved my life, and now you've done it again. I can't believe this. I don't know how I would be able to repay you. We must go to them at once. And so, we did. The guy I contacted was called Gregory, one of her uncles, and he sent me coordinates for where to meet. It had to be completely secret. So, he flew over in the middle of the night and under a disguise. We met at a corner of some park, and I told him that Priya was safe in my apartment. We walked together, taking random U-turns and making detours everywhere just to make sure we weren't being followed. And when we finally got to my place, Priya hugged the man. She had tears in her eyes. 
I'm so, so glad to see you again, Uncle Gregory. I thought you had all been captured. Gregory smiled and winked at me. Just then, a knock came at the door. My heart stopped. Who could that be at this time of night? And then, before either of us could react, Gregory strode to the door and opened it. Priya screamed. There, at my door, were two girls, and they had the most evil grins on their faces. Good to see you again, cousin. Oh, and who's this? You didn't tell us you'd found yourself a handsome, strapping lad. I guess now that you won't be queen, I can have him. Not before I take him for myself. We were ever so hurt when you skipped town. Oh, I'm so glad Uncle Greg found you for us. Priya turned to her uncle with tears in her eyes. You! It was you! Yes, of course. I was the one who told them about our safe house, too. You still hadn't figured that out? <laughs> my, my. You really don't deserve the throne. Did you really think I would just let go of the fact that your father humiliated me and my family when he stripped us of that title? Oh, for a tiny tax mishap! You stole three million dollars from the treasury, and I still let you back into the fold. Well, now it's your turn to be punished. Hmm, princess. I knew it was my only window. I had to act fast, or her life will be in danger once more. I had grown attached to Priya, so I did the only thing I can do. I kicked my chairs at them and I grabbed Priya and carried her. I ran as fast as I could. There were men outside the house. Scary men. Luckily, I was very light on my feet and used to dodging people as a waiter. So, I got out of there with no trouble at all. I went on a loop and ended up going through the back gate of my apartment. I hid with Priya in the shed where I kept my old stuff. I figured they would never find us if we hid in the house we just escaped from. And I was right. They were gone in minutes. I packed my bags and made sure I got some blankets. I broke my piggy bank and took every single dollar out. I called my boss as we ran in the cover of darkness for the harbor. What do you mean you can't make it tomorrow? You've missed three workdays this month, Zane! And you missed your own annual evaluation! If you don't show, you're fired! That's fine, boss. I'm saving a literal princess's life at the moment, so I think that Trump's working for you. When we finally reached the harbor, we stayed in one of the boats, wrapped in blankets, until finally, at around four in the morning, the fisherman came in. I offered all the money I had, just for them to take us to Priya's country. It was a long journey, but when I told them our story, they offered to do it for free. And so, I snuck Priya back to her land, and once there, we were able to find her people. From all the evidence they gathered, they took her cousins and uncle to court, and once again, they were all stripped of their titles. Priya was reinstated as princess, and was soon to be crowned queen. It was then that she asked me to stay. And because I had nothing going for me back home, I said yes. At first, a lot of the aristocrats and nobles hated me. They said I didn't deserve to be king, that I was a nobody. But when Priya told them everything I did for her, 
they changed their minds. And the people loved me. They called me a national hero for saving their beloved princess. They even made a movie about Priya's journey and how I rescued her. Priya and I got married, and just before her coronation, thousands of people greeted us in the streets. And Priya was so beautiful that day. She asked me what I wanted the most in the whole world. It's to say thank you. For rescuing me. Anything in the world. I smiled. I already have what I want. Priya blushed. Although, if you wouldn't mind, there is one thing. Just one. It's done. Priya and I visited the restaurant I bought, and once we were there, I greeted my old boss. There were hundreds of people outside. Some of them were reporters curious about why a queen and her king were there. My boss's jaw dropped when he recognized me. I just smiled at him. I've never seen this place so full. Must be us coming to visit. Uh, oh, and by the way, boss? Uh, uh, you're fired. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 